in the scripture that we have for today is in Luke chapter uh, 15. And um, I was going to, if you can get that ready for uh, where David's at in uh, that church there in uh, Chicago. I, I was thinking of, in this message that Jesus is telling or proclaiming here to the, the in Luke chapter 15, and, and it says, by this time a lot of men and women of doubt, doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus, and the Pharisees and religious scholars were not pleased. So what happens is Jesus is trying to help the Pharisees understand and help the the um, people that are not so religious, help them understand and get a concept of what God is like. Now, in the story that Jesus has here in uh, Luke chapter 15, he talks about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And he uses these stories to try and get the individuals to understand what he is trying to convey to them about God the Father. What is God like? Okay? What is God like? So if I ask you that question, what is God like, we would have different stories. Well, David was here last Sunday, and here he goes out to this church in Chicago, and he is to present what, is it, what it is like in El Salvador. Okay? So if we just put that up, and this is just the lobby of the church, and there's a lady there, and, and what do you see, if you can hold that, those, those bricks that he has there, that is a totally new concept. That they had just an open flame, and David and his team built these stoves for the people to use two-thirds less wood and to vent the smoke out of their house. Now, to us, that's just like, you know, who has a chimney on their house and who has a, a fireplace? You know, we all have that. But in the rural El Salvador, they don't have this until now. <laughs> and so, what is it like in El Salvador? So David, and there's a, an El Salvadorian, she's making... Uh, um, I thought maybe for but it is tortillas. Tortillas. She's making tortillas. It's not on an open flame. <laughs> it's on a hot plate. But uh, that's just something. He built that when he left here and went out to Chicago. He built this in the, the lobby of the church. Just run through it. That's okay, man. You can see the chicken coop. And he uses the, the tarp because that's what they would use. And there's kind of like an open market. The clinic. The outhouse. <laughs> Other training, excuse me. And there's your home. That's not a bedroom, that's a home. <laughs> and there's a lady. Uh, talking about in Lhasa. So if you if you were if you look at those pictures then we kind of get a an idea of what it's like now the clinic. I was I was at one of their clinics and the chickens and the animals were all over the you know the hospital bed where you lay down there were chickens nesting on the pillow. <laughs> so you know it's like um, well what about sanitary things like that? <coughs> Believe me, it's, they, they cleaned it up a little. I, uh, one of the doctors from the hospital, you can ask me who it is later, but he, went on a, he was on a missions trip in Africa, and he was doing surgery, 
and he talked about how that he would remove the gallbladder and he threw it out the window for the chickens. <laughs> you know, and he said that was as clean as you could get where they were at. You know, so it was like you, you know you're doing these operations and things in, in environments that you just like you can't even believe that you know that we would even subject ourselves to something like that. But the the idea is, how do you explain something to someone to get a picture of it? How do you explain something like these pictures and these things that were built? That kind of gives people an understanding of what it's like in El Salvador to see these to see these uh, the little chain or the ponds or the um, open markets or the homes. Well, how does Jesus then explain to religious people and non-religious people what God the Father is like? You know, what is it like? If I ask you, what is God like? You know, what are some answers that you would give to me? You know, if I just, somebody walked up to you and said, well, you know, what's God like? What's the first thing pops into your mind? Forgiving. Forgiving. All knowing. What's that? Loving. Well, he's uh, he's, a, he's half bald with a white beard. Right there he is, God. <laughs> <laughs> he's aged since the picture was taken up there. You know, you know. Well, we don't have any recent snapshots of God, okay? But what is God like? So we have our pictures, we have our images, we have our thoughts about it. But here is Jesus, and he's trying to, the, the people here in Luke chapter 15, the Pharisees, well, first of all, we'll start off verse 1. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation, okay? I like to just stop there for a minute. Do you know anybody of a doubtful reputation? Okay? Now I want you to invite them to church for Easter Sunday. Okay? Do you know anybody of anyone who is of a doubtful reputation? Now I also want you to invite other people too, but you know, and so on Sunday morning when you come through the, the door and you go, Pastor, this is the person of a doubtful reputation, I want you to meet them. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> I don't think they would come back. Yeah. And, and I always there's this little cartoon in one of the ministers' magazines, and, and the secretary is ushering them into the pastor's office, and the secretary says, "Pastor, last week's sermon illustrations were here." <laughs> so you know, no, okay. But uh, but we we often think that there are people that don't belong, don't fit in church because of. And the, the thing that we have to get over is God sees all of us the same. And the Pharisees and the, the, the religious leaders didn't have this in mind. And so Jesus is trying to teach the Pharisees, the people who know everything about God, if you were to ask the Pharisees what is God like, they could have told you. <laughs> and it certainly wasn't Jesus who was standing in front of them. He, he, this guy here, he's not at all like God. Here he is. So here's God standing in front of them and trying to explain to them what God is like. And they're saying, hold it, he's not like you. And here it's God. 
And so the challenge comes in our life, how then do we present, how then do we recognize God? We, you know, we recreate things to help you get a, a concept of what it'd be like in El Salvador. You know, a house, a latrine, you know. If, if you've never been to the bathroom in a latrine, you are missing something. In Africa, number one, in, in, in El Salvador too, and in Africa, they really stink. You know, you get a hot climate and a latrine, and I always, always remember in Africa, they have, you know, corrugated steel and corrugated sheeting. That's what they make the seat out of. And they don't flatten it. So, <laughs> and so when you are, you know, you have to be very careful when you go, and this is their, this is their main facility that they're going to go to. So when I give to you an explanation of what it is like, we still don't have a picture. Because some of us don't even know what a corrugated piece of metal is. What's he talking about? You know? So, but anyhow, we don't even get a, we don't even get a concept. So here is Jesus, and people who, and isn't this, is this unique, I think? Who are the people that are attracted to Jesus? They just kind of come around him, and the Pharisees are telling them he, he, ta he takes sinners and eats meals with them. So here are these people, these men and women of doubtful reputations, hanging around Jesus. Doubtful reputations. So don't write anyone off from the kingdom of, to be part of the kingdom of God. Never write anyone off. Because deep inside, there is a desire in every human being to know God. They just haven't reached that point. Some people have a long way to go, and some people are right there, and all they need is, a, is a, an invitation. That's where you and I come in. So whoever it is, whether they are a doubtful reputation or just a good friend, and they, and they don't have a church, invite them to come to church, because church isn't going to save them, Jesus Christ is. And we wanted this relationship with God. So, so Jesus now is talking to these Pharisees. And they are very prejudiced. They know, if you ask them, they knew everything there is to know about God because they have it in their head. They know all the laws. They know how to run the temple. They know the whole system of religion. They've got it down pat. And they have, they know exactly what it is, and God fits within their square block, uh, their box, and He is nothing other than this. Okay. So when this box of religion meets this person of Jesus, Jesus doesn't fit in their box. So what does Jesus do? He tries to give them some stories to help them take down their boundaries, their boxes so that they can have a, a better idea of what God is like other than their restricted box of belief. So the first story Jesus comes up with, or he tells to the, these, these Pharisees, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep. Now, here are the Pharisees. They're wealthy individuals, okay? They're, they are not the poverty people. These are wealthy individuals, these religious leaders. And he goes and says, now, if you guys, you have a hundred sheep, 
is loss. Now, we often interpret this as that I'm the lost sheep that Jesus went out and died for, which is correct. But the story that Jesus is saying in these three stories, the, the, what the important part that he is trying to get across to the Pharisees is, this is what God the Father is like. God the Father is like a shepherd who, lose, who has a hundred sheep and ninety and nine are safe, but one is lost. What do you think God is going to do? What do you think you as a shepherd would do? Now in the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me into green pastures, he restoreth my soul. Okay, a shepherd worthy of his name will die to protect his sheep. A hireling, somebody who is hired to watch the sheep, will run away when there's danger. But a shepherd will die to protect his sheep. Because they're his property and he loves them, he owns them, and he will do anything for them. So, the story then is, you own a hundred and you are the shepherd and one of them is lost. Now, what does he do? Well, he goes after the lost one and he searches until he finds it. Okay. Do you see any sheep? Nah, there's none around here. It's gone. Now, are there any people of doubtful reputation? I don't know any. <laughs> you see, we have to search until we find one. Are there people who do not know Christ and make fun of the church and make fun of God? I'll ask them to come. <laughs> Why? Why not? Because God has a way of doing something in ways that we can't think of or we can't see. So we have to go and look. So there's one lost sheep, and so the shepherd, God, and what does he do? He goes out and he looks for the sheep. And then, when he has found it, what does he do? And we got the picture, that's what the picture up there is about, this story, is that the shepherd will pick it up, put it across his shoulders, and he rejoices. Okay? The shepherd is happy. I found my sheep. I'm going home. And when I get home, I, and, and, the, and the idea is that the shepherd is so excited about finding his lost sheep, he has a party. <laughs> he celebrates, calls his friend in, sacrifices a lamb, and they all eat it. No. <laughs> they have lambs, whatever. No. <laughs> Lamb chops. No, they don't. He doesn't do that. He brings, he comes home, he's happy, he's excited, and he's so excited about it. He gets all of his friends together and say, let's come celebrate because that which is lost is found. That's what God does. 90 and 9, he's happy, protected, takes care of them. But the one who's lost, he celebrates. When we come to Christ, when our life comes to Christ, there is a party in heaven. The angels are excited. God is excited. There's love going out. There's love flowing out. Why? Because that which was lost is found. And God is always seeking. The person who is lost, God is seeking them. The Holy Spirit is touching their life. The Holy Spirit is working on their life. 
The Holy Spirit is active on their life, touching, drawing, bringing them, wanting to draw them to God. He's always searching. Second story. So, second story. There's a story of the lost coin. Now, the commentary, I liked what the commentary said. The, the commentary says that Jesus used the idea of a woman because only a woman would go for a piece of, look after a coin like this. I didn't say that. The commentary said it. Now, I wouldn't say that, but, you know, commentary said that. Okay? Now, there are ten coins. The value of this coin is, in today's monetary value, less than one-tenth of one cent. <laughs> okay? How many of you have things that were given to you by someone that are of such great value you would look through your entire house to find them and they, you know, and I would come along and say, let's just go buy a new one. <laughs> huh? All right? But it has that value to you, that sentimental value. So here's the lady who has 10 coins. Some have said this was like a headdress with 10, thing, 10 coins on it, and it was, it was something that was perhaps of value to the, to the woman, maybe a marriage thing, you know, like a wedding ring or an engagement ring or something like that. But it has value, but no value. Well, what does she do? Well, It's lost. I was thinking of this. In the divine economy, okay, of people, of all of the billions of people who have ever lived, the people who are living, and the people who ha will yet come, and you put me in the mix, okay? What value do I have in the sea of humanity? And the answer is absolutely none. And then the other answer is absolutely everything. Absolutely none. If you put all the billions of people of all that have ever lived and all that are living now and all that ever will live, and you put yourself right in the middle of all of that in that sea of humanity, what is one person worth? And in that economy of the billions, you know, what is one? Nothing. But yet, that one is everything. Means nothing, means everything. Because in God's eyes, every one of us is important. That's what he's illustrating here. In this economy of these ten coins, the value is absolutely worthless, but to the woman, it is everything. That coin is everything. And in our lives, and, and he's, what's he talking? He's talking to the Pharisees. You know, you are, you're here with these uh, people, and they are people of a doubtful reputation. Jesus, you're not like God. Because the God we know in our heads here would have nothing to do with these worthless people. 
So Jesus is telling them about the 99 sheep and the one that is lost. He's telling them about the 10 coins and one is lost because he's trying to get them to switch, them, switch their God concept from a box of knowing what they believe to their heart and understanding what they believe and how that God values and looks. He looks for the one that is lost. He searches. He has in the divine economy of billions of people one lost coin he will search to the ends of the earth to find. What does she do? She lights a lamp. She scours the house, looking in every nook and cranny until she finds it. And then when she finds it, what does she do? She spins the coin to pay for the party. (laughs) The coin that she has found isn't worth, couldn't pay for the party itself. I mean, the coin that she's just found is couldn't even begin to pay for the party she's throwing to celebrate about finding the coin. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, you know, you would think if it was a, you know, the, the coin I found is worth ten million, I'll, I'll, I'll spend one million to celebrate. Well, in this case, it's worth less than one quarter of a penny or one-tenth of a penny, but we're going to have a party, and no matter what it costs, we're all going to celebrate because I found my coin. The value of the coin, the value of the person. And then the last one here, the lost son. Now, Now, remember, Pharisees, Sadducees are around Jesus, and these people of What's the word? Doubtful reputation he is wasting his time with. And Jesus is trying to tell them the story and to help them understand what God the Father is like. And then this, the story of the lost son. Verse 11. There was a, once a man who had two sons. The younger said to his father, Father, I want right now what's going, what's coming to me. You know, if I told my dad that, Yeah, I would have got what was coming to me, you know. He would have flattened me, you know. And and then he said, go out and do your work, you know. I want what's coming to me. All right, son. (laughs) Take off the belt, you know, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll fix you. We'll fix you up, you know. And so, but God the Father, do you know, sometimes... We bellyache and complain so much to God, he ends up giving us what we ask for. (laughs) Be careful what you ask for. Because God may give it to you. You know, and there are times in which God gives, and this is what the son did. This, This guy, I deserve this. You know? I deserve what's coming to me, Dad. I'm not waiting around here until you die to get what belongs to me. You give it to me now and I'm leaving because I've had enough of this living under your rule. (laughs) So the father says, okay, son, I'll give you all that is yours. It's like our life. We get to choose 
who we're going to serve. We get to choose what we're going to do with our life. We get to choose what we're going to do with our talents, our abilities. We get to choose all of that and put all that together, and God says, here it is, David, this is all yours. And I I can go, yeah, God, thank you very much. I'm going to go live my life the way I want and forget these rules because they just hinder me from becoming what I know I can be. (laughs) You know? And so the guy, the young guy, takes his stuff, and the properties were divided, and there he went out and he lived undisciplined. and dissipated he wasted everything he had he was wasted (laughs) i think that applies to different terminologies different settings of people's lives they went out and got wasted well this young man went out and got wasted he wasted everything he had and gone through all of his money And wouldn't you have it after, just what a string of bad luck. You know, he spent everything he had, and then there's a famine. You know, when things go wrong, they always go wrong, you know. I just can't wait for the other shoe to drop. It's just, you know, I've got one foot in the grave and one on a banana peel. You know, I just can't get ahead in life because, and, you know, I don't think any of those are promises. (laughs) I think all of those are whiny whiny, whiny promises that we use to complain about our life and complain about things and don't really see promises. And God has a promise that he's given in our heart, and no matter how bad things are, I'm always safe in God's hands. God has a plan. God has a purpose. God is going to work things out. I must be faithful to what God has called me to be because I'm not running off and spending everything I got and getting wasted on me and what me and my and I want. I'm going to allow God to lead me and take what I've got. I'm going to use it wisely. I'm going to use my investments, my talents. I'm going to exchange. This is the hardest thing to do. (laughs) Exchange hours for wages. In the divine economy, God has a way of investing and bringing back multiplied things. See, our economy, our talents, and our society, we exchange time for wages in the divine economy we invest to receive some tenfold some thirtyfold some fiftyfold some a hundredfold the in the divine economy it's like planting one grain of corn and getting two ears on a stock that's the divine economy god doesn't exchange hours for wages god has in the multiplication business And he has a way of multiplying our talents, multiplying who we are, but we get locked into because God is in this box, and this is how I live, and this is how we work, this is what we get, this is what we give, and you don't understand, preacher, this is how life is. Did you know most of the millionaires, the new millionaires that are in America come from other countries? Because they don't know you're supposed to exchange hours for money. They think of it as the land of opportunity. (sighs) 
That's a different sermon. But <laughs> in our divine economy, God wants us to look at things differently. And what is God trying to tell us? It doesn't, you know, well, let's get rich quick. I've got something for you. If you'll just meet me after church, I'll help you with your investments. <laughs> it's none of that either. It's not where it's at. God leads us, guides us, even in our finances. So anyhow, he goes and he spends everything, he loses everything, and he ends up, <clears throat> you want to know how, how far down he can go, how much he can be wasted. He's feeding the pigs corn cobs. He cannot eat the slop that he feeds the pigs because the pigs have more value than he does. <laughs> He's not allowed to eat the pigs' food because the pigs have more value than he does. <laughs> That's falling pretty far when he got wasted. So he finally recognizes, you know what? I need to go home. My father's servants are much better off than this. I'm going to apologize, ask for forgiveness, and go home. Verse 20, what is Jesus telling us? He's telling us about God the Father, okay? When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. See, God isn't going to teach us a lesson. Our wastedness will teach us a lesson. His forgiveness and love will clean us up, welcome us back, put us on the path again, get us in the right position, get us in the right places, and he's waiting for us, he's watching for us, he's hoping and longing for us to wake up from our wastedness and turn our life around to him, and he's there, and what does he do? His heart pounding, he ran out. The father just says, that's my son, I recognize his walk. I recognize that guy out there. This guy who is in rags and shabby and, and, you know, comes from a pig pen, you know, that's my son. I can see it. I know his walk. I know his form. I know it's him. He's a lot thinner and he's a lot uh, raggedier, but that's my son. And he runs out to get him. That's God. And what is Jesus telling the Pharisees? What are they doing? Well, you know, he just hangs around with all these Doubtful, what's the word? Doubtful reputation. He just hangs around with these people of a doubtful reputation. God the Father is running to them. What does he do? Kisses him, hugs him. He didn't say, boy, you stink. You know, I came back from Africa, spent 23 hours on a plane, got off the plane, hugged my wife, and she goes, boy, you stink. <laughs> I did smell bad. <laughs> well, when this, and, and, and you know, but that's, you know, but God the Father, he doesn't look at us and say, you know, you know, you've been in a pig pen, you've been eating slop with the hogs, and you just smell, you, let, you get a bath first, and we'll take, no, God takes us as we are. He accepts us as we are, and then he cleans us up. We don't have to clean ourselves up and then come home. We come home and then God cleans us up. 
He accepts us and he loves us and he does all the best for us. And then, there's one last part here. The older son, the older brother, the one who stayed home the whole time. What's going on? There's a party at the house. What's happening? Oh, your brother came home. My brother. You mean that slop that took off with the money and went and probably wasted it all and now he comes home? Yeah, your father's walking and we're having a party. Having a party? I've been here all my life and nobody's ever had a party for me. This is, this is, this is just outrageous. I'm not going into that house. And what happens? The older brother stalked off in angry sulk and refused to join. <laughs> Who are these people? Jesus is telling the Pharisees, you're the older brother. <laughs> you have all these prejudices against people. You know who God can love and who he can't love. You know what God can and can't do, and you won't participate. You see, the father came out, and he tried to talk to him, but he wouldn't listen. Look how many years I've stayed here serving you. You never, you never give one moment of grief. I've never given you one moment of grief, but you have, have you ever thrown a party for me and my friends? Then this son of yours who has thrown away your money on whores and shows up with this and you give him a feast? His father said, son, you don't understand. You're with me all the time. And everything that is mine is yours. And that is, I think, the key to this whole thing. Never allow yourself to become jealous. Never allow yourself to become envious. Because everything that the Father has is yours. You already have the ring. You already have the garments of righteousness. You already have the kiss that seals you as my son and my child. You have all of that Everything that I have is yours. <laughs> so in our life, let's begin to see what God is like. He searches for the lost. He values the lost even whenever it's seemingly worthless. It's worth nothing, but it's worth everything. And the son that has wasted, he's ready to come home and take him back. He's looking for him to come over the hill. And as soon as he breaks the hill, the father sees him. And the, he's going to repent, he already knows the heart. He hugs him, kisses him, and says, get, get, call the servants, take, give off these rags and put shoes on his feet and, and a garment on him, and we're going to change him. We're gonna make, he, we welcome him back. He's, he comes home. And then the one who's always there just kind of, I've been here all my life and I never left. 
I should have left. I should have went out and sowed my wild oats and done all the things like my brother, but I, I, I didn't do that. I'm good. <laughs> and he missed the blessing of God because he was so self-righteous. Pharisees. In our lives, we find ourselves thinking we want to be wasted. How wasted do you want to be? That the pigs have more value than you. The Father is watching for you to come home. <laughs> Righteous? I've been, I've been here all my life. <laughs> I never left. Son, everything I have is yours. How blessed we are. Everything I have is yours. Whether we're the son who comes to the realization of wasted or whether we've been here all of our life, everything that the Father has is ours. Shall we stand? Father, we thank you. <laughs> there is a ring on our finger. We have your authority. There is a robe that we wear and it's the robe of praise and of righteousness. God, you've kissed us on the cheek and we, <laughs> you've sealed your love for us for an eternity. God, how blessed we are, how privileged we are. Thank you, God. You saw beyond our faults. You recognized our need. And you're just waiting for those who are lost. You're just waiting for them to turn towards home and you'll be there to welcome them with open arms. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let's say that. Thank you, God. Again, Thank you, God. Everything that God has is mine. I am so blessed. Amen? We are so, let's say that. I am so blessed. I am so blessed. Amen. God bless you.